most Christians for this period of Lent, right sadness. And I follow Lectio 365, which I highly recommend. And um, they're doing a series too, and it's called Right Sadness. And that really struck me. You know, Lent comes at a time when you're coming out, and particularly now that Easter's late. You know, I love this time of year when it's spring, the, uh, you get lighter days, the bulbs are all coming through, there's, there's hope, isn't there? And winter is fading behind, and we're, we're hoping for new things and brighter things. And the days are getting longer, and there's warmth in the sun. Well, there was last week, not so much this week. Uh, but it's a great time of year, is springtime. And I guess, you know, it's also a time of, of spring cleaning. You know, clearing out the cobwebs, spring cleaning. I don't know, I've not heard many people talk about spring cleaning at the moment, but you know, it's a time when you clear out, you, you get your curtains down and you know, dust everything off. And I think that's true for this period of Lent as well. It's a time for us to, to ponder and to focus, obviously, on Jesus and the cross and what he did for us and that, that journey that he went on <clears throat> to the cross. And so this morning, I'm just going to look at a few points from those last days of Jesus' life here on earth. We're going to look at four different aspects of that. And they're a challenge to us, and that after each one there's a question that I'm not going to answer. Because Martin said, we haven't answered it, and I went, that's not the point. What we're going to do at the end is we're going to reflect on those questions and just bring them to God and see what God says to us. So, the first one we're going to look at is um, apathy. So I'm going to mark, you can follow it if you want, mark uh, 14, 39 to 41. When Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane. Once more he went away and prayed the same thing. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. They did not know what to say to him. Returning the third time, he said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Enough! The hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. So I've titled this first point, Apathy. Jesus took some of his disciples, Peter, James and John, with him to keep watch and pray. They didn't only fall asleep once, but three times. They may have been tired, but so was Jesus. So why could Jesus stay awake, whereas the disciples could not? Jesus was the one who knew his time had come. He was the one that was being affected by circumstance. The others were not fully aware of what was to take place. It didn't mean anything to them. Their faith had yet to be challenged. Would I have slept? Do I sleep spiritually when I should be awake? The answer for probably most of us is yes. So the question is, how do we guard against apathy? And I'm going to read from Luke 22, 41 to 44. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. 
An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. So this is agony. Whilst the disciples were sleeping, Jesus was in earnest and deep prayer. His soul was laid bare before God. You can hear the sadness and agony in his voice when he cries out to his Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Yet Jesus knew it was his Father's will to go through with it. He heard what his Father had said. Jesus was willing to die for us, who are sleeping in our apathy and in our sinful nature. <coughs> what agony for his Father, who knew that his Son had to die. Jesus experiences the most intense, crushing pressure of his life, spiritually, emotionally and psychologically. Jesus begs for another way, an alternative to the terrifying death ahead. But there is none. God doesn't give him the answer he's asking for, but God does give of himself if he sends an angel to strengthen Jesus. So the question for this one is, what agonies are you going through? What agonies am I going through? What burdens do I carry? What unanswered prayers am I carrying right now? The third one is from Luke 22, 47 to 49. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. So the third one's betrayal. So whilst Jesus was still with his disciples, sad, and knowing the course his life was to take, in came Judas. It was just a kiss, which is quite common for a disciple to greet his rabbi. But it was unusual to arrive with a mob. What nervousness and unrighteous desire must have been in Judas to betray a friend, someone who he'd been with, followed and listened to Jesus. And then Peter takes a swipe with his sword. He doesn't actually say it in the version that I read. He was incensed. It was not an easy situation to accept for him. He completely misread the situation. Would we have betrayed Jesus? How easy it is for us to betray a friend. We can easily betray a friend's trust without any effort. A rumor or thought can be misunderstood or a careless moment and the friend is betrayed. I'm sure that Judas, the moment he kissed Jesus, soon forgot about the money he was about to collect because very quickly, guilt would permeate through his own body, his whole body, his whole being. Have I betrayed a friend? Or been let down by a friend? Or have I done the betraying? And am I still carrying that guilt and shame with me? That's the third question. 
And the fourth one, <clears throat> Luke 22, 54 to 62. Then seizing him, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance. And when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. But he denied it. Woman? I don't know him, she said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. Man, I'm not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly, this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the cock crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter, and Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the cock crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. So we read that Jesus was seized and taken away, taken from the friends he had been with, taken from the friends who had let him down through lack of prayer and betrayal. And to cap it off, Peter, who only that day had been so ready to defend Jesus with the sword, was just as ready to deny him as he had ever been with Jesus. His concern for his own life and its tumultuous events was suddenly all too real. He'd slept through Jesus' concerns, but suddenly this could mean that if he was associated with Jesus, he too could be seized, so he denied it. It's easy to condemn Peter for us, but how easy is it for, for us to try and control our own lives by denying or not taking responsibility for our own actions? Peter was a follower and friend of Jesus, and he was responsible to Jesus as a friend. It was Jesus who was to face the pain. But Peter found it too hard to see the pain of Jesus over his own predicament. Yet Jesus did not condemn Peter. The cockerel that crowed was sufficient enough to convict Peter of his error. Do we ourselves wait for the cockerel to crow to warn us after the event of our failing? Or do we actively seek to be responsible for our actions? Do we spiral into confusion and fear when things don't happen the way I expect? So the challenge for us during the season of bright sadness is to sprinkle in ourselves. And let's allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us, no matter what the cost is to us. So now I just want us to take a few minutes of silence, just to think about these four different questions or challenges to us at this time of bright sadness. So the first one, how do we guard against apathy? Apathy is such a, it just seeps in very gradually and we probably don't know that we're being apathetic in our faith. So how do we guard against that? What agonies and burdens am I carrying right now? Have I been betrayed or let down by a friend? Or have I done the betraying and consequently carried the shame and the guilt? Or do I spiral into confusion and fear 
when things don't happen the way I expect. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Those verses now let's just have a time of quiet before we come to communion. <coughs> 